Welcome into the Clap Trap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. But the third different one that Pats have used today. First and 10, Harris. And there may have been a fumble. The Dolphins have it, Kevin. Oh my goodness, a turnover in the second fumble. Dolphins are going to get their eighth win over the Patriots since 2013. Tua goes 16 to 27 for 202. All right, here we are again. Another episode of the Claptrap. And this is going to be an interesting one because I'm trying something I have not tried before, which is bringing in multiple people at the same time uh, via or via Zoom. I don't even know how I'm supposed to pronounce that, but uh, I have both Matt and Andrew in, and we're going to be talking about. Everything from football to a little bit of baseball, and then we got our picks at the end. But I uh, just wanted to say, hey guys, how's it going, Matt? First, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Happy to uh, now we get the tripod here. We're gonna be kicking it three ways. It's, uh, I'm sure we're gonna talk over a bunch, each other a bunch, but you know. <laughs> So the listeners will uh, get a kick out of some of it. Yeah, yeah. I think that I, I'll try and play the facilitator role as well as I can and just like pitch it over. All right, now to you, Andrew. Hey, what's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Ready to talk some football. Love it. Uh, specifically some Patriots. Yes, yes. Yeah, we got to get into the Patriots. Obviously, that's going to be the first starting off topic. I played a little intro clip about what was going on with the game. It basically was just that last fumble that happened uh, with Harris and then uh, obviously – uh, you, you know, the, the Patriots losing at the end because the defense didn't show up as well at the end there. So I kind of wanted to just get first opinions on the game first with uh, we'll, we'll go Andrew first on this one just to see what did you think overall about the game? Uh, like, how did you feel about the Patriots performance and like what, what did you like about it or, or dislike, I guess? Um, I guess like first and foremost, the big thing is obviously Mac. And I think the big takeaway is that he's proved he can play in the league. Um, he kind of handled everything the Patriots put on his plate and everything that the Dolphins did defensively. Um, I, I think they could have opened up the offense a little bit more, honestly. I think um, outside of the Harris fumble, which was obviously costly. Oh, very, so, so very costly. Yes, but I, I also think he shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. I mean, they – they were driving the ball several times and then just got far too conservative with their, with their play calling. I mean, just the constant toss plays on second down. Um, I think they ran, I think they ran eight toss plays for like a total of 14 yards. So mm-hmm. obviously after that was yep. uh, the rest of their rushing for the day. I think it was like 22 attempts for 111 yards. So obviously I think you, anybody can see kind of which one was more effective there. Right. And the thing I didn't like on the play calling was obviously having the two tight end sets out there, the whole point of that is to not tip your hand pre-snap and, you know, not kind of take advantage of whatever the defense gives you right there. So when Miami comes out with a big defensive front, that's when you spread them out and pass it. But they just kept running into that base defense time and time again. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was uh, it, it was tough to see. Uh, you know, them not be able to kind of figure things out from that sense uh, on, on both sides of the ball, in all honesty. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't overall impressed, but I guess I'll get to my take in a little bit. Matt, what did you think about the, the game overall? Like, what was your overall kind of thoughts of what happened? So my overall take is that I'm 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 scared if it's going to it's going to be more of the same as last year. Right. So when we looked at last last season, it, it's all of a sudden these mistakes are made. These mistakes are made. Like ones that you didn't make back when you had Brady. 
you know, I see like the fumble, the Damian Harris fumble. You know, I got flashes of Cam fumbling on that drive against the Bills, but I should have won that game. Mm-hmm. Divisional game counts twice. Um, so that's another fear. I mean, I, I feel like you, you're missing the the Brady ma- magic pixie dust sometimes. And, okay. the, you know, this team is making the errors that, you know, they generally didn't make before. You know, and then, uh, now I start looking down the schedule. It's like, well, hopefully they can get by the Jets, you know, the, the Saints. You know, oh. now all of a sudden they're the best team in the world. Picked up Jameis Winston oh, oh, for my man. fantasy team. Yeah. So really just going to take me to the championship there. But I don't know. I'm, I'm a little like I'm, I'm not pessimistic. I'm just I'm, I'm scared. I, I feel like there's too many shades of a of a team last year that, that also, you know, that sort of constructed similarly and you know, just doesn't really just doesn't have Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, we're pretty down bad if you're saying like you're hopeful that they can get past the Jets. I think that that's, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I. I get that Wilson had his a few moments where he looked good, but I don't think that they're – we shouldn't be worrying about a team like the Jets. I think there was enough good things to pull from this game. I do think that there were moments, obviously, where the defense looked kind of like Swiss cheese, which that was kind of pissing me off because I was all excited about the depth that they got for this front seven. And then you have moments where you're just getting gashed by my, my Miami there. And, uh, you know, Mac looked great. Uh, that's that's a huge factor there. Obviously, he did have that uh, very early kind of rookie mistake where he kind of got lost in his own pocket and turned and trying to like throw it to a guy behind him and at his feet at one point. I think it was Jonu Smith. That was pretty bad. But after that, he kind of calmed down and played really well. Obviously, good amount of passing yards and everything like that. Uh, found some good connections. So I'm happy there. I mean, at the end of the day, though, my overall thing is. The coaching was terrible for the Patriots. I think that overall, I uh, you know between what kind of what Andrew said with you know the the limited playbook, especially when we got into the red zone in certain situations there, and you, then you just kind of take away all the passing options, and you're just trying to force the run in situations that weren't working. Um, they they kind of you know. They got, they got a little limited there, and then defensively, you're having situations where you have Jalen Mills on Parker and situations where it's, it, I don't know, you, you kind of know where the ball's going to go in a few of those situations, especially at the end of the game, I think. They were going to try and force it to Parker. You put Jalen Mills out there by himself, he can't handle it. I think that that was a coaching error as well. So overall, I just, I wasn't happy, honestly, with the coaching side of things. I'm pleased with Mac Jones, where he's at. Going forward there, I think that the run game, obviously, other than the two major errors with the fumbles there, looked good. I'm worried about Trent Brown. I want to know what where his calf is at and everything. That could be an issue going forward. But otherwise, I feel pretty good overall. So, um, you know, as, as, as far as uh, the coaching goes, I'm, I'm usually one that's like very on the side of the coaching, but this one very against it. Do you Did you see anything coaching-wise, Andrew, that you thought was like glaring as an issue? Uh, definitely. I mean, obviously I spoke about the offensive stuff earlier, but I think one of the big things for me was on defense, just not adjusting, you know, playing the off coverage on Miami's receivers and then just getting beat again, 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 underneath letting these guys get yak opportunities and not, you know, adjusting coming up to at least play a little bit of bump and run, a little bit of man press anything, but it was just seemed like it was off coverage all afternoon and just not making the adjustment to take care of that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's it's sad in a sense because I thought that that was going to be our our saving grace going into this year. Obviously, a big Belichick guy myself, I thought that he was going to be prepared for everything. I felt like he kind of got a little bit outcoached in this game overall. That's just my own personal opinion, but I think that there's a lot to build off of there. Um, and and, and going forward. Uh, yes, I think that we're going to be good against the Jets, though I know, Matt, you have your worries there, uh, and, and we'll see how things go. 
I still am actually on the side of predicting that this team could win 10 or 11 games. I don't know if anyone else has changed their opinion on that. Matt, where are you at, like, opinion-wise on just a quick prediction of overall win total for the season now? So if you look at the the first, call it the number 17 games now, but call it the quarter of the of the year, let's, you know, let's, let's assume the Jets are going to be this layup that you expect and they, they breeze by them. So, you know, one and one. The Saints, does that Saints game feel at least right now a little more of a tight game or a tough game than it did before the season started? Certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's, all right, so let's say one and three. I think we all know, or one and two, we all know the damn outcome of the game. I got ahead of myself there. I think we know what's going to happen. There is going to be an absolute fire at Gillette Stadium okay. in three weeks. Okay. And, oh, no, I think, I, think, I mean, what? Well, that that'll be a fun week because that'll be I get to really bring out my my Bradyism and, and start just sure. saying how much he's gonna toast everyone. But you're talking about a potentially a one and three start if you know if they don't play you know better against the Saints. So right. that scares me. I don't know. I don't know what the you know everything's different because of the 17 game season. I know we've seen this Patriots team or not this one in particular, but zero and two starts go all the way to the Super Bowl win it. Um, I don't know what the stats are about a one and three team, but I, you know I fear them getting into that sort of groove and. And then you get to a point where expectations are all, all of a sudden lowered and you're just looking for moral victories and, well, Mac played well, or maybe we get more back. Maybe we don't. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's, I, I want to see him do well. I, I miss the, uh, the, the deep playoff runs, but this is a one and three start. Something to be a little bit scared of. All right. So you're a little upset there. You're, you're, you're not looking forward real quickly. Do you have like an overall yearly projection? Do you think they'll get to nine wins at least or anything like that? TBD. TBD. I, okay. I went into the right. year saying ten. Um, well, I think you know I'll leave it at ten and go no. further notice. Leave yourself room for yeah. Okay, we can pencil you in TBD. Uh, but you, Andrew, what do you think overall, real quickly? Like, how do you think now? Has that changed anything about your mind of upset uh, going into at or after the first game? No, I mean I, I still have them at the same win total as I did before the game. I mean, obviously that was a game I thought they were going to win. Thought they should have won and didn't. But um, as, as we've seen over the years with, you know, Bill Belichick coach teams, they're going to slowly ramp up and get better and better as the season goes on. True. Well, I mean, we saw that every year for last year, I mm-hmm. should say. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's definitely I, – I feel the same way. It's it's uh, It was a speed so, bump. Yeah, but uh, something was different uh, those other years, if I do remember. Okay. All right. We yeah, get it. Yeah. Yes, they don't have Tom Brady. But they do have Mac Jones, and I want to talk a little bit more about that after we come back. All right, so we were kind of we were talking about the the Patriots game against the Miami Dolphins, uh, giving kind of a general overall take about how you felt about the game and where we're at now. But one of the major keys to that game, the thing that everybody's talking about right now, is the performance of Mac Jones. It's pretty clear that that's what everyone has their eyes on right now because this team is desperate for the next quarterback. We've been that way for years now uh, since obviously losing Tom Brady. So. With this game here, you had Mac Jones passing for over 280 yards. He had that touchdown to, uh, um, oh boy, uh, Aguilar. Thank you. Uh, number 15 this time, Aguilar, uh, over the middle there, which was nice. And, you know, I think that he did pretty good, other than, and I mentioned this in the first segment, he had a little bit of a rookie flutter in the beginning, and then he started to kind of settle in and, and seemed really good overall. So uh, there's been a lot of people saying that, you know, even though we lost the game, it's it, you feel really confident because of Mac Jones's performance. I don't know how you guys feel about that, Matt. Uh, you know, after seeing how he did in that game, how he handled himself, are you okay in a sense with the loss? Or are you just 
fully about how the team is doing overall. Where, where's your head at now with the whole Mac Jones situation? I mean, I separate the two, the idea of, you know, his, how he looked in week one versus, you know, my, my fears about another losing season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he looked, he looked good. I mean, he didn't make any, any mistakes that make you say, oh man, in fact, he looked really composed and poised in, in most situations made, you know, some key throws. So, I mean, I think there's, there's no reason to not have hope for him right now. You know, and we talked about this earlier, you know, with I don't know who made the, um, the comparison, but you almost going to take the governor off the kid it's at some point. Um, I don't know if just because you're going up against the Jets in week two that you want to just have him let it rip. I think you have a game plan. You have a style of play. You're going to keep working with that. Um, try to win games that way. You know, try to, you know, have you know a defense that can make the key stops that they need to do. But, I mean, overall with, with Mac, I think, he, you know, he showed promise. You know, it's sort of a conservative stat line. But I think he'll continue to get better, and you'll see those numbers go up, and I'll start seeing some 300-yard games and go from there. Yeah, no, it was a great performance for a rookie. First stepping in. I know I'd been complaining lately about everyone being like, oh, he's so pro-ready, he's so pro-ready. He looked pretty pro-ready, not going to lie. So, uh, you know, maybe I was wrong about that, but a lot more football to be played. How did you feel, Andrew, though, about him overall, his performance, and the fact that people are kind of okay with losing because of how he looked? Well, I'm never really okay with losing, especially a divisional game. You know, people kind of want to act like those are just throwaways and they're not. Like Matt said earlier, they kind of count twice. Right. So, I mean, like he said, I'll, I'll try to separate the two as well. Um, and I think it's a game that they should have won, as I said. But I guess the biggest thing with Mac that I took away from it was how he responded immediately after he had that early miscue where he kind of got lost in the pocket, tried to spike the ball into the ground and it ended up being called a fumble. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of rookies, especially in their NFL debut, I think would have probably kind of crumbled and started to spiral, made a lot more mistakes after that. He didn't. Um, in fact, he didn't seem bothered by the pressure for the most part after that. Right. I, when I say pressure, pressure from Miami's defense. Um, so I saw him a lot of times, even when the pocket was collapsing, step up, make a throw, deliver a ball on target and take a hit. Yeah. And I thought, thought that was huge. You don't often see that type of composure from a rookie yeah no it was great uh i was very impressed by that stuff uh now i do want to kind of talk about one thing that i found a little funny a little interesting whatever you want to talk about i mentioned the touchdown pass to Aguilar there when i couldn't remember Aguilar, but uh you know right after that they kind of pan over to him and you know he celebrated a little bit with the offensive line you know excited he, he uh you know hit the miami dolphin player i don't know who it was who tackled him when he kind of got he got hit to make that throw gets up hits that guy on the head celebrates with the lineman then he's running off the field you got uh you know Aguilar trying to give him a ball he's giving it back then they're you know doing a little back and forth thing like we've seen that before with Brady and Edelman and stuff but it was like he didn't want the ball obviously which was kind of goofy there uh how did you feel about that do you think that that's like the right what attitude he should have Matt or do you think he should be excited about his first touchdown like how did you want him to react to that did you think it was as goofy as I did I mean I I like it because I don't think it's like a Oh, that's the, like it's because he has that attitude. Like, no, I don't want the ball. Right. I think this dude's just so like keyed into the game. I mean, we joked about it. What last week he's running slants with his girlfriend in yep. the backyard. You know, into the uh, azalea bushes. But yep. I think it's like if someone like if someone was handing it to him, like, hey man, your first touchdown pass. Like, and like he realized like that's like the moment of it. Be like, oh yeah, cool. But I think dude is just so like dialed into like the mo- like of playing the game. Like. He's like, oh, I don't need a ball. Like, what do you mean? We just scored. I got to get back to the bench. I don't think, and that's, I like that. I think he's just so dialed in 
to what's happening like in, in at the moment that he is not thinking about like the meta on anything. And that's that's a good thing to have in your quarterback, especially at, the, at such a young age. Most guys be, you know, sprinting to the end zone, looking to jump up, like, yeah. you know, get caught in the air. Like uh, it's just I, I like his where his head's at. And I think it's going to continue to, you know, I don't even know how he can get better. I think he's just he's already got that good poise in, right. uh, in the game. Right. Yeah, no, calm, cool, collected. And yeah, like you said, it's like he he had blinders on. He was already thinking about what's what's happening next. What do I need to what did I see in that defense there that I can exploit next time? That kind of a thing rather than being caught up in that moment, which I love because especially the first touchdown who really I mean, at the end of the day, you if you think about your professional career, you you're going to get a lot more than that. So it's just another thing. Um, I get the I get the first time thing or whatever. But, uh, you know, he did that and then he goes and he sits on the bench, which I thought was another goofy thing. He started doing breathing exercises. I don't know if you guys saw that as well. They zoomed in on him and he's breathing in and out really nice and easy, like trying to almost calm himself down. I don't know if you saw that too, Andrew, but what'd you think about the whole, you know, not wanting the touchdown and then doing that kind of a goofy thing as well? Um, ultimately, I think it doesn't really matter either way, whether you're excited to say, Hey, I want to keep this ball versus, Oh, like I'm, I'm too focused. I don't want this ball. I mean, either one is a perfectly acceptable reaction. And, you know, everybody is going to react differently and handle those situations differently. Right. I, I mean, yeah, some people might try to put on a little bit of a show and be, you know, a hard like, hey, I don't want that ball. I have a job to do and I'm going to throw a million more touchdowns. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, if that's what he's doing, then, yeah, it's a little corny. But I think ultimately either reaction it, on either direction would be totally fine. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really put too much stock in it. Oh, I like it, and and like I said, I think that he's uh you know focused, like Matt said there. Uh, he was doing the goofy breathing techniques there to kind of calm himself back down. So he's already thinking about parts of the game that you wouldn't expect a rookie to think about. You know, calming your heart rate down or whatever he was trying to do on that bench. Uh, you know, after the the big celebration and everything, he was looking forward to the next play. So I'm excited for that. I'm happy to see that he's in that mindset. Um, I'm obviously looking forward to new big things going forward. I think he's going to be good there. Did you guys feel as though he found any specific weapons that he looked more comfortable with in this game? Was there anybody, uh, you know, obviously he was kind of trying to spread the ball around a little bit. Andrew, did you see anything specifically that you, like he worked better with Janu versus Henry or whatever? Obviously we didn't see Henry until pretty late in the game anyways. So what did you think about that? Um, I think he did an excellent job of spreading the ball around, like you said. Um, I noticed he they went to John New a lot early and kind of got away from him, started going to Henry there. So outside of um, outside of James White, really, I don't think I saw him really favor any connection with anybody specifically. Right. And, you know, the James White thing might just be specifically because of the position he plays. He's a safety valve, especially for a rookie quarterback. But um, no, I don't I don't think he's really locked on to anybody specifically yet and that's a good thing in yeah. my eyes yeah no definitely a good thing i i don't want him doing that you don't need if yeah i guess you have the safety blanket of dumping down to a running back there and that that ball to james white that he dropped it in the basket there was beautiful absolutely gorgeous pass there um but yeah i mean i i don't think that he has really specifically targeted on one person and i do love that he's spreading the ball around did you like that too matt you think that he's kind of because that's what we were used to right we were never used to a quarterback that was going to target in on one guy so i'm happy that he's continuing that is kind of where i'm going with this yeah i mean i think he definitely favored you know uh jacoby you know, jacoby myers which we were, I, you know my, my assumption was that that was going to happen i mean Jacoby Myers is getting taken off the boards in, in fantasy drafts. And just the fact that that was happening in general is just a statement on the fact that you knew he was going to get a lot of targets. He's going to be looked at a lot. And, and the kid's got some skill, too. I like him. He's, you know, he's a good, 
you don't need, had to be your number one receiver. It's not that, you know, you'd, you'd like to do better, but I think, you know, favoring him, you know, I think he threw him like, uh, like he got targeted nine times. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a big, you know, that, that's a one that we sort of knew and expected. Yeah. Uh, Aguilar, I think was the second leading target getter um, out of the, out of the receivers. And that one, I didn't know because what I hadn't seen him play. I mean, I've watched him play in previous years, but we, you know, we didn't see him go out there. We didn't really know what the chemistry was going to be between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, just, it wasn't just a touchdown pass. And he just, he looked his way a lot. That could be something that could, you know, definitely grow and, and be a, a solid connection for those two. But everyone else, and he spread it around having those two tight end sets back out there. You know, that's uh, that's something we, we like to see. We saw the, the promise that it had, you know, several years ago. So, I mean, I think he's, he's definitely going to be, you know, spreading it out, but they'll be favoring Myers and Aguilar a pretty decent amount. Yeah. I want to get more Kendrick Bourne too, but uh, yeah, no, it was good to see those guys working there. Um, and, and you bring up a good point about the tight end thing, and I think that a lot of people, I heard a lot of questions about that, so I do want to talk a little bit more about the whole tight end situation when we come back after this. So we've been breaking down the Patriots. They had their week one loss, unfortunately, to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think that everyone had very high expectations, especially after Mac Jones was named the quarterback. You thought that you were going to be able to take care of a Dolphins team, especially when you went out and you bolstered your roster with a lot of free agent signings, really kind of bringing in uh, the, the big weapons that they could from free agency. And what was included in those weapons was the two best tight ends off the board. So I think a lot of people, especially this week, we're thinking about, you know, these these two great tight ends that they brought in. You saw Hunter Henry wasn't even really utilized the first half of the game. Then he started to come in towards the back end. Uh, you had Jonu Smith, like Andrew said in the last segment, getting used a lot in the beginning, then kind of faded away from him. But they both still had great or, or good enough stat lines, I think. So I wanted to know and get you guys' opinion on overall, how did you feel the tight end play was? Do you wish that there was more usage out of them? Do you think that they were using them adequately? How, where were you at with that, Matt? What did you think uh, about Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith's first performance with the Patriots? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think they could. He, Matt could get them more involved, right? If you look at the the receivers and the uh, tight ends breakdown, the target share went towards those two guys. I mean, it was less than a third. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but you know, there was. If you want them, it's you want them to favor the tight ends more. I get it. But I also want to see what this kid is comfortable doing. You know, I don't know. Uh, forgive me, I don't watch a bunch of Alabama football, so I don't know if he had uh, any tight ends that he was just, you know, you know, huge connection with down there. But you know, I think it's whatever game this kid sort of fallen comfortable in. Because we go into a season, and even when it was Cam Newton, Mac Jones, you know, you say there's certain guys, or if you're young, you're a rookie, you know, first year. That you're gonna, you know, having tight ends is a good safety blanket. You're gonna favor going to the tight ends. Yeah, that, that's great. It's great to have that safety net for, especially for this kid. You don't, want, you know, we don't want to burn him out in the beginning, but hopes are high. You know, if he's, if his preference is to find the wideouts going downfield, I mean, let it rip. I, I mean, I'm okay with it. I mean, you spent a lot of money at both positions, wideout, tight end. You spent it all over the board. Um, if he feels a certain way, he wants to play a certain style. He wants to look for these guys down, you know, down the seam or down, down the sidelines. Go nuts. I, I think that's uh I'm not going to cry over lost targets for the, I love the tight ends, but you know, let's, let's win some damn games. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that they did get an adequate amount of targets and uh, receptions in the game. I think that it was good. I do think that, you know, maybe some people, including myself, thought that they were going to be more featured during the game going in just because those were your two big weapons. Like you said, tight ends are usually good safety blankets. So, you know, why isn't the kid just going to hammer down some two tight and and Josh McDaniels put out some two tight end sets the whole entire game and really try and 
get those guys going there. But, uh, you know, they weren't overpowering, but I think that they did more than enough. So, Andrew, uh, overall, did you think that it was a good usage there or or how were you feeling about it? Because, like I said, I think that a lot of people were complaining that they didn't see enough of the tight ends, even though I think they still got a pretty good usage rate. Well, I think the Hunter Henry stuff mostly was situational. Obviously, you have Trent Brown at right tackle go down, come out early in the game. You're immediately with the backup offensive lineman. So I had noticed they kept Hunter in a lot to block early on. Yep. So I think that's kind of the whole reason why he wasn't really featured in the first half. Um, as far as going to the tight ends over the receivers, like I'm in the same boat. I don't particularly care who gets the ball either. Just hit the open guy. But when you're coming up against a team like Miami, where they have arguably the top cornerback tandem in the NFL, right. might make sense to kind of attack those safeties, mm-hmm. you know, older guys like Jason McCourty and attack the mismatches with the linebackers. Um, the other big thing was um, really like, I, if you're going to play that short game a lot, like we were, um, I think with John o. Smith being the best, Yard, uh, like yards after catch guy that you have on the team, you might want to get him involved more in screens. I know they had a jet sweep to him early in the game, but um, I think one thing I would criticize on that game plan is making more of an attempt to get him the ball in space and letting him create because he's fast for that size and he's hard to bring down. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I, I really think that the big thing wasn't as much, like I said, going to wide receivers over tight ends as it was just, continually trying to force the run game when it wasn't there. I think they came into this game saying, hey, we're going to run X amount of run plays or X percentage of run plays, and that's it because we don't want to put too much on max plate. But at the end of the day, you can't commit to the pass. You can't commit to the run. You need to commit to what's working as they used to do when Tom Brady was here. Yeah, no, that's a great way of putting it there because you can't just keep hitting uh, run play after run play when they're not hitting like that or in the situations where you end up losing a a fumble, which, by the way, I didn't think that the first fumble with Stevenson was an actual fumble. I don't know about you guys on that one there, but when I was looking back on it, it felt like his butt reached the ground before the ball came out. Anyways, that's a whole other thing there. Obviously, he wasn't going to get many more carries the rest of the way. You're forcing the ball to Damian Harris in those situations, especially when he ended up fumbling at the end. He was That was because he had like tapped himself out of the game right beforehand, and they were like, no, man, get right back in there. We, we need you. And then he goes out and he fumbles it there. So not that I'm saying it wasn't his fault. you got to hold on to the ball but they were kind of forcing it to him in situations I was kind of hoping in those those ones specifically, especially as you get into the red zone, you use those big tight ends. Like you know Andrew said, there you got great cornerbacks. Let's get over the middle here. Let's try and use these two good tight ends that you thought you brought in here for that. So in the red zone, very questionable. Back to the coaching once again with the game plan there. But um, I think overall they were utilized at different times for different reasons, and they, they you know had good snap counts and things like that. It's the first game with them. They're going to get the ball rolling here. Mac Jones was spreading it all over the place. So I would just say for all the, the the people out there who are a little concerned about not getting them to be fully featured, I think it's going to be okay. I think that they have a good amount of weapons now and we'll be able to figure things out going forward. But let's talk more about the Patriots going forward and maybe some of the other NFL games that happened after this. All right, so I am in still talking with my buddies Matt and Andrew here. We're talking about the Patriots mostly, but I do want to get to the other NFL topics, everything that happened from week one, any of the funny stuff 
stuff and crazy stuff that happened there. Uh, it was a pretty wild week one. We had our gambling competition, which went a little up and down and, and uh, rightfully as I thought it would, because I think that the week one is very hard to predict what is going to happen. One of my worst picks of the week was thinking that the Green Bay Packers were going to come out and, you know, take it to the, the Saints. Saints aren't even playing in their own home stadium. You had Jameis Winston, who I thought was going to just be a goofball throwing like doing weird towel tricks and all these other weird warm up things that he does there. And he's just going to come out, throw a bunch of interceptions. Instead, the guy throws five touchdown passes with 148, I believe, passing yards in the game. Most ridiculous stat line I think I've ever seen. Andrew, what did you think about the 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 Green Bay game overall? Also, Aaron Rodgers stunk, and people are throwing out ridiculous uh, tinfoil hat theories like he just came back to destroy the Green Bay Packers from within. Goofy things like that. What did you What do you think about that game overall? Um, honestly, I think it looked, Aaron Rodgers looks like a guy who, uh, took the whole summer off, didn't show up to camp, didn't really work out and it shows. Yep. And, you know, I think they're, he and Devontae Adams are trying to drum this up. And so they've made a few last dance, Michael Jordan type references, which this is clearly not the same scenario, no. but I think just the whole negativity surrounding it, I think rubs off on the entire team. I mean, it's not like it was just Aaron Rodgers that didn't show up, but I think it starts and ends with him. If that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I agree there. I think that, uh, and I, I honestly haven't even fully invested myself in that whole situation. I believe it's a him versus LaFleur situation. Like what's it's just, he just doesn't like the coach or what's the, do you know, Andrew real quick? Do you know like more of the, the situation there? I mean, it, he says that it's a combination of all these different things, which it probably is. But the big thing is that it goes back to when they drafted, traded up to draft Jordan Love in the first round. You okay. know, the, the NFC Championship game the year before, you know, they were right up in it, too. And then instead of going to get him some help or, get, you know, even if it's on the offensive line, I, he's obviously advocated for wanting another highly drafted wide receiver or even just a free agent receiver. Um I think that's really where it started with the whole thing. And he's he's gone on record a few times and said, hey, I would have been okay with you guys drafting the quarterback. Like, just talk to me about it beforehand. You know, he's, like, right. staring at the screen watching the draft, and he's shocked, like, oh, do I, like, do I have a job still next year? What's going on? <laughs> right, yeah. No, that's uh, – I'm sure that'll turn anybody to, to get pissed off at the upper management there. We've seen it all happen before. Uh, but overall, Matt, what did you think of the game there? You already mentioned how your fantasy team, you picked up Jameis Winston because that stat line was ridiculous. How could you pass up going forward with without going forward with that? Uh, so what did you think yeah. overall of the game? I mean, to caveat that, I didn't have much of a quarterback room on my fantasy team <laughs> prior to now being all in on Jameis Winston. Right. So it's, it's not it's not like I, I let go of uh, – you know, and a, a Patrick Mahomes type because I'm all in on Jameis. Okay. No, I mean, to me, that game was so much about uh, Rodgers checking out. Um, and I think it, it's going to be a checked out. Sort of, I know every time he's done this before with the R-E-L-A-X. Mm -hmm. And he's saying the same similar things, talking about a double nut tap or something the other day. That was right. why he threw a pick. So he's trying to keep it all calm, cool, collected. But, you know. I remember he's essentially given the Packers in, in a one-year notice, right? You normally give a two-week notice before you leave a job. He gave him about a one-year notice. And I remember when I was I was at B school and I was working with like a career uh, like counselor, whatever the whatever his name was, mm -hmm. building resumes, talking about the next steps. He's like, because I, I was talking about leaving a current job and uh, going to something else I had lined up. 
And I was like, well, and because I want to wrap up a few projects with them and do this, 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 I'm like, I think I'm going to give him like a three and a half, four week notice because be, I'd be doing them a favor. He goes back to me and goes, think about the attitude and the mentality when you're getting through a third week, a fourth week, and everyone knows that you don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. You're not, and this, if you're doing, you're doing this for 17 games. I mean, it, it is just, uh, I, I think the whole thing's going to break down. I think it's going to combust. I mean, because I said it, they'll probably go 16 and one. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think there's a, uh, I, I think there's an attitude. I mean, we didn't we just watched it happen a year ago with a deteriorating morale and, and winning culture, a winning quotient. Um, so do I think the Packers are going to look better than they just did in week one? Of course. But do I think that this team is inspired and there's, you know, the other 52 guys on that team are looking around like, yeah, we're going to do this as a farewell tour. He's going to win. Right. He's too petty. He's, a, he's too petty as a man. And Aaron, Aaron Rodgers won't want to give that to, to Green Bay brass, even though the brass is technically the people of Wisconsin. Right. No, I, yeah, that's uh, he, he's a, he's a wild card there for them for sure. Um, I, I think that that, that whole situation is pretty insane. I love your little, uh, metaphor there or, uh, you know, they, I mean, even leaving a job though, you're not going to be getting cracked by 300 pound line linemen all, you know, for 17 weeks in a row. So he's, he's obviously checked out. And then as soon as he, if he gets even like a slight injury, I think he's fully gone right at this point. It just seems like, He's already one foot out the door anyways, so we'll see how that goes with Green Bay. I thought that that was crazy. That was very funny. It'll be interesting to see how Jameis goes the rest of the way here. Uh, hopefully he does good for you, Matt, and your fantasy team. But other stuff okay. that was going on uh, around the NFL there, uh, we had some some interesting games throughout the entire week, uh, culminating in the Monday night football game. That was insane. But before we get to the Monday night game, uh, you saw games like the Browns versus Chiefs matchup where the Browns looked really good, and then they were just the Browns again at the very end and lost it there. Are you worried or, or have you seen any teams like the Browns that are supposed to be really good that you, you think could actually really legitimately make a run this year, Andrew? Do you think that like the Browns are actually legit? I know everyone went into the season saying that their lineup is so stacked. All these things, they obviously put up a good performance against the Chiefs, but then at the very end of the day, they still, the Browns are going to Brown, right? That's what they did. How do you feel about them? Um, well, I guess to the Brown situation, really every situation in general around the league right now, I'd say it's week one. You know, everybody's going to overreact to every single thing they see. Mm-hmm. And where it's the only thing you've seen, like if the recency bias takes over and it's like, oh, well, if they did that, they're just going to do it every week. I, I actually think the Browns, like, they, they hung around with the Chiefs right there the whole time, and that's missing one of their best offensive playmakers, Odell Beckham. You know, when he comes back, the passing game is going to expand, obviously. Um, I, I still have the Browns as being one of the top teams in the NFL, honestly, um, probably probably around top five. I think if there's any team that I think has high expectations and people are they're due to regress, I'd say it's maybe the Buffalo Bills a little bit. Yeah, no, that's a great way to kind of segue into the next thing that I was going to talk about. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the Bills obviously didn't show up fully there. You had, uh, you know, Josh Allen kind of having a subpar performance for him. They were having issues left and right. Um, they they barely scored the 16 points they did against the Steelers there. Steelers looking, you know, really good everywhere except for the quarterback looking extremely old and Ben Roethlisberger. What did you think, Matt, of like the Bills game uh, overall? Do you think that, you know, once again, we're, we're always talking about week one parody and like the craziness that happens in week one. Do you think it's just a, a situation where it's just week one played a pretty good defense or do you think that the Bills have regressed a little bit like Andrew said? 
No, I, I think in in folks who listen in for the the picks later, we'll we'll see that I'm I, I'm favoring this way in my betting line. But okay. I think the Bills bounce back. I, I think it's a it's a week one uh, snafu. I think that you know we're gonna see them. They're down in Miami. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think the lines you know minus three and a half on the Bills. I think I think they're gonna bounce back. I don't think the offense is gonna look as anemic as it did. There's you know they've got the right weapons. Uh, they're they're gonna be all right. I, I, I surprisingly would probably wouldn't have said this. You know, two years ago, a year and a half ago, but I think Josh Allen's got got what it takes to sort of regroup and get everyone back moving in the same direction. Yeah. I don't think that was a reflection of how good the Steelers are, more than it is just how off the Bills were in that game. Yeah, no, I, I can see how that would be a, a, a factor there, and I'm interested to see what the Bills are going to do. I'm interested to see what another young quarterback is going to do, which I want to talk about right after this. So we're working our way through the NFL right now, talking about all the games that happened in Week 1. We just talked about the Bills, how they suffered a loss to the Steelers, and I think we can all agree that it's probably uh, you know just a little bit of Week 1 jitters. We don't think that they're going to be overall trash. I do think kind of, though, like uh, you know Andrew was saying, they might take a little bit of a regret from what people thought they were going to be, which is, I think, a Super Bowl team is what most people thought that they were contenders for. But um, one of the other young quarterbacks that I wanted to talk about other than Josh Allen, who had a great week one, was the Cardinals quarterback, Kyler Murray. That Arizona team was dominating in all facets of the game. Uh, they won by a score of 38 to 13. The Titans looked, you know, just uh, confused, I would say, overall. Their offensive line was getting dominated by Chandler Jones, having five sacks in the game. Matt, what did you think overall of that uh, Cardinals game there, that that beatdown over a Titans team, which I think a lot of people thought were going to be at least in it, right? You know, especially against that team. Yeah, I, they'll bring it back to the the Pittsburgh-Buffalo game. I look at this one as sort of an aberration. I mean, we we all went into this looking like it, you got to think about the what's coming, you know, what how the two teams were stacked up and what they did in the offseason. You know, going in, everyone thought Arizona's defense was not going to be able to slow down Tennessee, and you know, that we all saw what happened there. Is much more at the line and Chandler Jones' effort. But we, all, I mean, Tennessee added. Say what you want about Julio Jones losing the step. There, you know, they added. They they had more t- more weapons, and they they just couldn't get it going in the beginning of the game. Um, that was that was the biggest shock to me the entire week. Um, Arizona looked great. I mean, I think that if they're gonna win, they're gonna need to put up big points like that. Um, that's pro- you know, Kyler Murray is explosive enough, and, and I think they'll be able to do it. But it's funny just because going into the season, everyone looked at Arizona as like the fourth team in the division. Like, yeah, there's no no respect. Like, this division's way too tough. Um, you're going to be the odd man out, and I, I don't think they feel that way. Uh, they they played inspired. Let's see if uh, see if they keep it up. Yeah, no, they certainly uh, they certainly did their job there, and I think Kyler Murray was one of the guys that a lot of people thought was going to come in and have a great season, regardless of how you felt the defense was going to do. So he he did great. Uh, the Titans, like you said, they it just did. They couldn't put it together. They had so many new, or they had at least a couple of new offensive weapons there. Um, did you think that the Titans kind of blew this game, Andrew? Or did you think that the Cardinals were just that good? What what were you thinking? I guess it really depends which side of the ball you're talking for each team. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, on on offense to the Cardinals, were they just that good? Yeah, they were. And I mean, it, it certainly helps that you're going against like an anemic secondary like the Titans. Right. But I think on offense. The Titans, they, they kind of blew it. They got away from their blueprint from last year. What works? Like, yeah, I know they got, you know, when you're down, you can't 
you know, run the ball a ton. And I'm not saying that they should have in that situation, but you can still still work off a of play action. And that was hugely successful for them last year and even the year before that. Um, A.J. Brown, a lot of his big plays have come off a of play action, and they just seem to get away from it. They kind of wanted to go in more of like a spread offense, and that's just – that's not their strength. That's not who they are. And obviously I, I do think it hurts having a left tackle in Taylor Lewan, who is – he's a – Obviously a very good tackle, but he's coming off a major injury. So it's his first game back. Obviously he's going to be a little slow. And, you know, maybe they should have brought in the tight end to help chip Chandler Jones a little bit more because he's one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL. And you're kind of kind of putting your left tackle in a position to fail right there. Yeah, no, it's uh, like you said, he was coming off an injury. I know that he tweeted out afterwards how he got dominated and he'll be better in the future. But coming off an injury and then facing off against Chandler Jones right out week one is really tough to do. I, I don't understand, once again, you know, how a coach doesn't realize something like that and, like you said, get somebody in there to chip off of Chandler Jones. There's clear – clearly he's – and I, I don't think that he was kind of, you know, moving side to side there. I think he kind of just kept attacking from that one side most of the game from what I remember. But you got to try and put somebody in there to stop him. you got to try and change something up there. Um, so I was, you know, shocked by that. But Cardinals look good. Uh, and that game was an interesting one to just see from a blowout standpoint. But one of the games, or the the best game, I would say, of week one was the Monday night football game, the last one of the week. You had the Raiders going against the, the Ravens, Raiders at home, uh, the, the home opener for the Las Vegas Stadium, I believe, the first ever game there, right? And uh, they won that first game. One, uh, what? First one with fans. First one they with fans, sorry, last thank year, you. But- that's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So first, first Davis. real game then. Yeah, yeah. But thank you for uh, yeah. It's uh, a game where they won it thirty three to twenty seven in overtime with some crazy uh, situations where it almost seemed like you know teams were trying to lose the game. It was like who who was going to you know lose this game more than who was going to win this game. Uh, Andrew, uh, what did you think overall of of how great that game was? The drama of it all. That's you know what we want in football games. The craziness and that's what we tune in for, especially on a Monday night. How do you think that game went? I mean, as far as entertainment value, it certainly doesn't get much better than that. I mean, from the fourth quarter on, I thought that game was over probably five or six different times. Right. And it just the tide just kept turning and turning and turning. Every time I thought it was over, it wasn't. So, I mean, it's a great way to kick off Monday Night Football for the season. I'm not sure, not sure that anybody's going to really be able to top that. But uh, I mean, I'm sure because, at the same time, because I said that. Probably next week, something crazier will happen. Yeah. No, it's it's crazy. I, I mean, that game was insane. It's going to be hard to top. I think another thing that happened week one that I thought is going to be hard to top, I believe it was a Terry McLaurin catch along the sidelines there where he absolutely did like a 360 spin, somehow catches it and lands in bounds. That's probably catch of the year week one. I don't know uh, what you guys think about that one. Uh, Andrew, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was one of the most ridiculous catches I've seen in a while. Um, Terry McLaurin is a stud, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually am advocating for, I think, catches that good should count is more than just like half-point PBR. That is nothing <laughs> on my fantasy team whatsoever. Right. I just, that's just a genuine thing that I feel should happen. Yeah, no, maybe you should bring it up with your commissioner, see what he thinks about it. But Matt, what did you think overall of the uh, the Monday night game? Did you think it was a good one? Or, I mean, obviously it was a good one, but what did you think overall of it? Yeah, I think I think Derek Carr looked all right. You know, I think the, um, mm-hmm. the, the we not of the age group where I watched a lot of the old Raiders. Um, from what I can gather, this is sort of an, you know, what the, the Raiders have done to people for a long time. Sort of got so, so close and then lost it at the end. I mean, this is, 
I was I laughed my ass off when they got first they got bumped back that five yards in overtime, mm-hmm. and then they threw the pick, which I don't I don't think I mean could Derek Carr have thrown the ball not as fast, short, sure, but I mean I, I think that's you gotta you gotta that was what's his name um, Sneed, Sneed right Sneed, you gotta really. catch that damn ball. So I mean I think you know that it's for him and that team you know they're they're fortunate that they they got the chance to make it up. Um, I think Lamar Jackson he he made a bunch of big impactful plays. Most of them went both ways. I mean in the fourth quarter when they needed that man to get a get a third down conversion, he'd use his legs, he'd find the open open target. He looked great. Um, you can't lose the ball in overtime, and, and you saw his just like it just looked like pissed off, like disinterested at the end. Like he was mad about it. Like, yeah. You know, let's that's a that's a huge play. I mean, you know, it's he's great. He's dynamic. You're gonna get big swings one way or the other. Unfortunately, that the, his swing at the end meant that they weren't gonna end the game with the ball. And in overtime, I think he kind of wants to end the game with the ball. Yeah. No, it's uh that was a that was a tough one there for him for sure. Uh, like you said, you can't you can't lose the ball. At the end of the day, we were just talking about it with the Patriots a couple segments ago. You just can't lose the ball. That's going to change the whole outcome of the game. Um, I, I wonder after seeing Week One here, we had that question a couple weeks back. Would you have rather had Lamar Jackson or the Mar- the Mac Jones future? Now after week uh, after Week One here, Matt, have, has anything changed with your opinion on that? No, I still I think my stance then was. Bird in the hand, you know, worth two in the bush. We've seen some, you know, Michael Jackson's MVP. You've seen, you know, you've seen amazing things out of the guy. So yep. you know that's a known quantity. Um, you got to take what you know. So yeah. I'm not gonna not gonna change my stance on that until we see an MVP caliber out of, season out of Mac Jones. Out of Mac ten, yeah. What what about you, Andrew? I think we we had you answer that question right. L- uh, Lamar Jackson or Mac Jones? Uh, did, after week one, did you change any opinions on that? I mean, it, it's a very tough one to gauge because like. It, do you want to just look at it in a vacuum or do you look at like, okay, the ripple effect of if you don't, if you draft Lamar Jackson, that means you didn't draft Sony Michelle. And then do you win that 2018 Super Bowl with some, you know, fourth round running back that you got that year instead? Fair Nuts, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately, like Matt said, you know, like in a vacuum, yeah, you like Mac is an unknown commodity and you know what Lamar Jackson is. So if it's just like, you know, you could take your choice right now, today, moving forward, which one do you want? Yeah, I think the choice has to be Lamar right now. But that's not an indictment of Mac. It's just admitting that, hey, we've only seen one game out of the kid, even though it looks good. Let's pump the brakes on that. Exactly. I'm glad we can all be on the same page there. You would take the the, the proven thing, even w- regardless of how you felt about Mac Jones week one. Uh, and, and I think that we're going to see a lot more good things with him in the future there going forward. Um, and we'll be here to talk about that as we continue on throughout the, the season here. But we're going to switch it up next when we come back. All right, so we've been doing football for the uh, the whole first part of the show here. And I wanted to switch it up because there is another team still playing in New England. And that team is the Boston Red Sox. They are in a situation where they are now sitting outside of the two wildcard spots by a .001 percentage point uh, in the win column there because they've played two more games than the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Uh, We've been having some major situations with COVID lately, and there was this article that was written by Dan Shaughnessy this week that I wanted to talk about, including uh, or, or the title for it being... What is the reason that no one's investing in the Red Sox? Now, I'm paraphrasing. I don't actually know what the title, uh, you know, it, it was something along those lines there. And he goes into this article and he's talking about all of the possible reasons why anyone would want or, or would not be involved in this Red Sox season. 
He gets into things like the defense, which we've talked about before, Matt, uh, how the, the Red Sox defense is one of the reasons that everyone gets super frustrated with this team because it seems as though that you're, you're, you're putting out like a, a, uh, you know, a, a youth league baseball team kicking the ball around sometimes. You saw Kyle Schwarber the other night kicking the ball around at first base. It was ridiculous. He gets into it could be that. It could be that, you know, um, this team is, uh, you know, doesn't have, I believe what he said, like, was the personalities going on uh, that, that some of the other ones have. And he ends it, though, with, and this is the main point of why I'm bringing this up, that it could be because the team has not reached the 85% vaccination threshold, and that is what's making people frustrated that when players go out with COVID, they're not even following these these rules that they're supposed to follow. And Dan Shaughnessy says that's the reason why he's not invested, and he thinks that a lot of people are not invested in this Red Sox squad. So I wanted to kind of think, get what you guys thought about that. Matt, we'll start with you. Uh, what did you think about that article? I know that you saw about it or read about it, and uh, what did you think of those comments that he made there? I mean, I, I agree with all the reasons of why to not be invested into this team, except for the vaccination rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you missed the mark on that one. I mean, I mean, it's I don't know if he's appealing to like an old curmudgeon base, you know, of people that still receive the newspaper early in the morning. Right. Um, I could give a flying you know what about the vaccination rate if you're out there winning ball games. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny because like he's not a. He's not inflammatory with the stuff he says, but he's like he he'll ask like the uncomfortable questions of Belichick, right? He'll he'll ask things that are like you know abrasive, I guess, and, and ca- cause some friction, uh, which I like. I've I've always liked that about Shaughnessy. Um, so, but I'm, if I'm looking at this and if it's if maybe if he was trying to be in that same vein of like creating friction, like this is just a different type of friction, I feel like, because then you're mixing in politics, unfortunately, um, and. So I don't, I'm not really sure. I mean, if that's if you wrote it that way because he feels that way, I mean, that, then that's it's just not something I I align with or can totally agree with. I, I agree with all the other reasons he lined up. Um, it's funny the article actually I saw that the title on it changed. It, they, they changed the headline of it later on uh, in the day. That's what happens when the the sports team owns the uh, media distribution. Mm-hmm. But that's a whole different whole different thing. I still want an SN on YouTube TV. The, the but anyways, yeah, I think it's uh, it's I just I don't agree with the fact that it's like I'm I'm not tuning in because you know, it's, not, it's not like <laughs> I started to think about the old guy. It's like curmudgeon people who'd be like, oh, that guy doesn't stand for the anthem. I'm not watching football anymore. Like, I'm not going to like this guy doesn't take his vaccination status seriously. I'm not going to watch it. You can go out there and throw five touchdowns. I don't care what the hell. And if you're in baseball. I've got a lot of other reasons not to watch baseball besides their vaccination rate. Yeah, no, that's a good point there. Which is, which is so silly when you think about it, honestly. If you look at the geography of it, how many blocks away is Fenway from the best healthcare facilities in the entire GD world? <laughs> I think it's about two and a half blocks. Yeah. Not even kidding. Yeah. Yet they're the unhealthiest team in all of the bigs. Poo-poo. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's, there's uh, you know, many reasons I think that could be used for why you're not following along with baseball or why you're not following along with this Red Sox team. Do you have any specific ones that you can think of, Andrew? Or what do you think of even just the comments that he made bringing it to the vaccination thing? I, I think it's typical Shaughnessy, honestly. Um, he knows that COVID vaccinations are a very polarizing mm-hmm. subject at the moment. And um, I think I think he knows that has nothing to do with it, but he knows that if he mentions that, people on either side of the aisle are going to get fired up about it. They're going to be talking about his article. 
and giving giving him attention is ultimately what he wants because that's he doesn't care if you say, oh, Shaughnessy's an idiot or, oh, Shaughnessy's the smartest guy in the world. Are you clicking on his article or are you buying the newspaper for people that still do that? Um, I do agree, like Matt said, with all of the other reasons that he's outlined. Um, you know, plenty of reasons to not watch a team. One of the biggest ones for me is, like, the 162-game season mm-hmm. like I, I can't live and die with each game when it's like okay this is not even one percent of your schedule like <laughs> right. who cares a million more games this summer what does this one matter you know I, I think that has a lot to do with it and the fact that the sport itself just refuses to evolve the way that all of the other sports have i mean you look at the nfl there's plenty of players who have been very very vocal about not wanting to be vaccinated do you think their numbers took a hit last week no everybody tuned in if as much as I normally do, if not more so, because they missed it, you know? Yep. And I, I just think with Shaughnessy, there's, there's always always a little angle like that that he's trying to play. I think a lot of times he's just disingenuous. Yeah. No, I mean, hey, that's that's what you got to do sometimes to get into the media or to get those clicks, get those likes, get those uh, paper uh, subscriptions, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it, it, I, I can't say that I wouldn't do the same if I was in a position where I could do that and just get a ton of clicks. I probably will at some point in my career. Who knows? But I just think that he, yeah, he missed the point. Yes, you say that because it gets everybody riled up, but that's not the reason people aren't tuning into the game. They're not, tu- they're tu- not tuning into the game because of how hard it is to watch a game. I've, I've done my baseball rant a million times. I'll do it again. If you guys need me to do it, it's fine. I'll do it. Uh, the fact that this game is three and a half hours long on average, the, the time zones where you're getting games that are going to start at 10 p.m. for us out on the East Coast, I'm not going to stay up and watch that game. That's ridiculous. There's so many reasons they won't add the pitch clock in there like I've talked about before, even though they're doing it in the minors. You know, these these players just want their rituals where they take forever, all these different things. The reason that I'm not invested in this team right now is because they didn't invest in themselves. You bring it back to the trade deadline. I, I've said it before. I was I just kept ranting and raving with it with Matt over and over again. How do you just go and just get Kyle Schwarber when you needed a first baseman and you got an outfielder and you're just going to put him at first base? You don't go and get any pitchers except for this Robles guy who I don't even think they're going to see for the rest of the year now at this point. The guy was so bad. I You didn't invest in this team that had the ability to go and make a legitimate playoff run. Why am I going to invest in this team? Why am I going to go and put my time and effort into it if they're not going to do it as I'm talking about the higher ups? And then that's going to trickle down and the actual team itself is going to react badly from it, too. So I, I don't know that at the end of the day, you had to kind of go out there and invest for it. And I've said it before. I am more of a casual baseball fan. That's my most casual of the four major sports there. But to get the the casual baseball fan involved, you got to invest because we're not going to just show up for you not like uh, you know putting out the best product for us there. So I don't know if you had anything else to comment about that, Matt, or anything. Uh, but that's kind of where I was at with it. They they just want the, they want sheep. They want oh you'll you'll invest because we tell you to invest your time and energy. Yep. Yep. I don't know. Just uh, just it's. Yeah, I mean, we we ranted about the the trade deadline piece before. You know, throw throw a little, even, but even if you know if they threw a bunch of action at the trade deadline, pick, made acquisitions, and they still played this way, which I don't think would happen. I think this team just got entirely deflated um, when it didn't happen. But even if you know, say you add and you start to play poorly, we tune up the same way. We're not going to hang on because they had a strong trade because they gave away prospects and aren't performing better. So I mean, it's it's definitely it's 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 a performance based thing. But I you know I agree with you that the performance is tied to the fact that they did not add at the deadline the way they should. Have. 
Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a tough thing there. Uh, and you just got done with a series, which I do want to kind of go over the games now really quickly. All right, so the last thing that I wanted to talk about here with the guys is the actual game that happened. Uh, I'm talking about the Wednesday night game in Seattle where the Red Sox came back and uh, won it in the 10th inning and scored six runs in that 10th inning, gave up one in the bottom of the 10th as well, uh, but they were able to hold on there. Uh, you, you had... Kyle Schwarber and Christian Vasquez driving in two runs apiece in the 10th inning. Um, Tanner Hawk was a starter for them. He only went four and a third innings pitching, giving up four hits, three runs. He did have seven strikeouts, though. And even though he didn't have the best performance there, I do want to say one thing, and this is kind of going back to my ranting from the last segment there. Tanner Hawk is one of those new wave pitchers that is going to be good for baseball. He grew up or, or has been being groomed in the minor leagues where they have the pitch clock. So that kid just gets up and fires the ball. Gets up, fires the ball over and over again. I love that about him. I think that he is the future of the way that the baseball should be played and and uh I'm excited that they were able to uh you know get a player like that up. I know that he hasn't had the best situations yet, but get me more of those players. What did you think about that Matt overall and have you noticed or 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 seen that in any of the games that Tanner Hawk pitches? That guy, he just goes boom boom boom. I love it. I love how you call him Tanner Hawk. Like it's uh, like, like he's the brother of, of Ethan or something <laughs> like that. I, I think it's that's a it's a how sounding. It's Hauk? Hauk? Tanner Hauk? Yeah, yeah, whatever. Sounds but I mean, Hawk's a way more badass. It's a way more badass Tan- name. Tanner I mean, Hawk. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to be Hawk? Yeah, <laughs> you can just change that on the back of his jersey when they do the uh, real quick. The, those cool like add your own name jersey nights and Love people it. add their nicknames. Yeah, he nicknames. can put Hawk, like Hawk on the back. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I, it's. I mean, I, I like the way he pitches too. I, I don't think that this is uh you know, there's one of him for, uh, for every million other pitches that are going to sit there, you know, take their full 30 seconds or unlimited amount of time, really, whatever they want to do. It's true. Um, you know, he, it, it's, I mean, he, they, the Sox, they, they won the game, you know, they, they lost that lead early. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a good win, probably a, a much needed win, given where they are in this little three-way tie for the wild card, where mm-hmm. guess what? Only two teams are going to make it. Um, I don't think they're going to be one of them, by ooh, the way. Ooh. But they needed the win at the time. You know, it'll be a cool next what, 14, 15 days. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, I think the implosion could be spectacular, so buckle up. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. I think that it's going to be worth watching. There's 14 games left, 13, 14 games left, and they're in that situation where they're kind of all tied. Yeah, it's the Blue Jays, it's the Yankees, it's the Red Sox. Now, uh, Andrew, yeah. like I said there, they are – uh, you know, bringing up pitchers that are pe- pitching a little bit faster. Um, I know that you haven't really been, you know, paying attention too much this season there. I'm going to be honest with you right now, guys. I didn't even watch this game straight up because it started at 10 p.m. and we're out here on the East Coast. I'm not going to stay up and watch that ridiculous game. I, I just want to bring it to you in this sense here, kind of going back to my ranting and stuff. Do you think that there's anything that baseball could do to get more of the casual fans involved in a game like this? I mean, I'm talking about Tanner Hauk. Pitching faster. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, pitching a little bit faster. Do you think that something like a pitch clock or something like that, do you agree with that kind of stuff, changing the game? Or do you have any ideas about changing the game to make it more interesting for you? Yeah, I think, like you said, for starters, just a pitch clock, just to move things along faster. When it's a 10 o'clock game out here on the East Coast, who can stay up till 1 o'clock or even closer to 2 o'clock when it runs into extra innings like it did the other night? Right. Uh, I think overall, it's just there. Baseball is catering far too much to like the hardcore older generation of fans that are trying to preserve, you know, 
just everything that they saw growing up and they're right. refusing to evolve like the other sports are. So it's really just, you know, cater to your fan base, cater to the demographic of people that are spending the money that are actually right. going to, you know, tuning into the games all the time. Like it just, you, you have to know your market and it's just like with any other business, if you don't know your market and you refuse to evolve, you're eventually going to go out of business. Yep. No, uh, um, it's true. I think one thing spe- like specifically to the Red Sox to get on what, back touch back on why they don't have quite the same interest as they have in recent years. I think a lot of it goes back to that movie Bet Straight. Because I mean, yeah, there's a lot of conspiracy theories of oh, he didn't want to be here and he let the Red Sox save face and act like they didn't want to pay him. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. But if the story is, hey, we don't want to pay this guy who's one of the best players in baseball, fans are gonna be like, well, why am I watching? Like what am I doing here? If you're not trying to be the best team you can be why would I watch this? You know? Yeah. No, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's, it's the idea of, you know, I, we're, we're openly admitting that we're not going to give you the best product we possibly can. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to give you my all. If you're not going to get, it's a two way street guys. Come on. That's yeah. You can go two ways down Yaki. It's oh Yaki. It's not called that anymore, but yeah, it's, I think that, uh, <laughs> that trade was I ridiculous. Bet. Um, I think that, uh, you know, it's that tr- making that trade, would sound right if it was the Tampa Bay Rays or if it's a small like another small market per, like you're the Boston Red Sox, right? They're supposed to especially a homegrown talent player like that. You keep that player because you have the deepest pockets in the league. You are there with the Yankees, you're there with the Dodgers. You're you can do that. You're not you're not the uh, you, you know the Arizona Diamondbacks or or some smaller market team that's not going to be able to hold on to these play and we have to think for the future we're not going to be able to get anybody else in here because we have no you know salary cap or blah blah whatever you want to say you are you are Henry you are the Red Sox you are this billion dollar uh, you know industry you can afford a player like that so yeah I can see how people would sour on the Red Sox when you do uh, yeah you try to save face I guess like like Andrew said there but. We all knew what happened. You didn't want to play pay the player because you were going to go over the luxury tax. Oh, boo hoo, John Henry. I'm so sorry, and you know that that's going to lose a lot of interest for a lot of people. But now you're in a situation where, once again, they didn't contribute to this team this year. You're now sitting in a situation where, yes, it's going to be entertaining for everyone to watch these last games and see who's going to kind of end up in the playoffs, who's not. Matt thinks not the Red Sox. I I would I'm kind of leaning that way as well. Uh, you know, even if they do get into a one game situation, you've now put yourself into a position where, yeah, maybe you have the Chris Sale game, but what do you do after that? You don't you don't have anybody else. You are now about to play. Uh, a three-game series with the Orioles at home uh, in which Chris Sale makes the, his return after COVID, you know, to start it all off. Then you play two games against the Mets, so you need to dominate these games. But even if you get into a position where you're in a one-game playoff, what do you do after you win that one game? If you win that one game with Chris Sale, Matt, I like they're just going to get dominated in the next three games or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, what are they going to do? I mean, what they're probably going to do is Chris Sale is going to get caught in some contact tracing they're going to have to bench him. They're going to go with uh, Ethan Hawke's, you know, younger brother over there, <laughs> see if he can uh, see what he, see if he can pitch the game down in under two hours. Uh-huh. No, I just I look at the three teams and it's just it's I think the Blue Jays are a lock the way they're playing. That's just that's a freight train. Um, I, there might even be some value in them trying to win the World Series playing the way they're playing. Um, but and the Yankees, it just seems too Red Soxy and for them to not get into the playoffs because of the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where that's where my head's at. Um, at this point, it's you know like our like our forefathers or not our forefathers, but 
our old generations, our, our fathers, our grandfathers, they watched the Red Sox disappoint, disappoint. I think we're about to get a long taste of that. I think the whole, you know, my rants about the whole city just be going on a championship trout. <laughs> and, I, and I'm a season, I'm a season ticket holder. I Believe know. me, I, I don't I want it. I'm, I'm watching, watching my value plummet. But uh, that's that's sort of where I'm at right now. It's tough. It is. It's it's certainly a tough situation there. And uh, I don't know where the Red Sox are going to end up here. Um, but you know, it's, it's when we get to this time of the year, I, you want to be able to be fully invested in a team. And a lot of us are just not at this point right now. Uh, I, I think that we're invested it, in the revolution, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it's, it, we're, we're more invested in that because of what happened here. And I, I think that it's a tough situation here. The last thing that I did want to just like really quickly kind of squeeze in here at the end of the Red Sox segment. Um, I got to hear Matt's t- comments about the Hunter Renfro situation and everything with that. I want to kind of rewind a little bit and see what Andrew thought about it. I, first of all, I don't know if you did hear the 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 uh, Renfro situation there. Did you hear about it? Um, and, and if you didn't, I can tell you about it just real quick. Did you hear about the whole what he said about COVID and stuff? Kind of caught the, caught a little bit of it, but definitely refreshed me. I've been so locked in on football lately this time. No, it makes sense. So he uh, basically had a ridiculous game where he hit a home run and then he had, he threw out uh, two base runners, one earlier in the game and then the second one at third base to like win the game. Uh, talk of the town, everything like that. Goes on to WEI, I believe, the next day and starts squawking about how the MLB started telling the Red Sox to stop testing their players for COVID and all this stuff and just like puts his foot in his mouth basically about this, this whole situation uh, about like why the Red Sox are are getting so many COVID players and everything, and and you know if they're if they're already vaccinated, they shouldn't be tested and all this stuff. So, with with that whole thing there, did you think that it was smart for him to come out and say all that stuff? That he couldn't be right. Um, no, I mean I think it's a pretty dumb thing to say. I mean you're going to be subjected to possibly fines. I mean I don't think he got fined for it, but it's definitely something that I think the MLB would have looked at. But um, that said, I I don't doubt it. Yeah, I honestly don't. I I don't. MLB, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL. I don't think any of them actually care about player safety or about COVID or about anything like that. They care about the public perception of how they are on those issues. And really, the only thing they care about at the end of the day is their bottom line. And with the Red Sox, you know, heating up in this in this little three way race, having all their players not play. Not good for business. Mm-hmm. Not good at all. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, he might have kind of got some information on that, like kind of on the hush-hush or whatever, but obviously, no, he shouldn't have said it. Yeah, no, that, that was uh, extremely dumb for him to say it, but I, I also, I was of the same mindset. I don't think it's, uh, you know, bigger than the MLB to do something like this. I do feel like, uh, you know, obviously it was done behind doors and all this kind of stuff, and it was kind of like a mention thing, and then Renfro had a, a, a brain fart and just said it out on the air or something like that. But, I, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the MLB. I know, Matt, it, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit there, but have, have you changed anything about that whole situation now that we've gotten a little bit further into it? Um, so, yes on the details, no on my – stance and sort of take on it right um i think it just showed a, it more that how dumb hunter renfro is and, and here's why the uh the league did tell the Sox, i think they told every organization yeah when you have vaccinated players 
And those players, you can test if you hit a threshold, and for the individuals, don't you can test less. I mean, you can even embellish it as much as to say, you like, you know, don't test your back, save your tests, don't spend as much on unvaccinated players. He went out and just represented it as if they were like, hey, there's big conspiracy, don't test us, you know, this, that, and the other for one of the teams with the lowest vaccination rate, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he purely just went out and was like, no, they don't want us to test it. No, were you not listening in the clubhouse at the team meeting, dude? You don't get tested as much if you are vaccinated. I just, that was the whole, that was he, the comments he made. Like, there was truth to him, but I don't know if he just didn't know that. I, I have, I struggle to think that he just, his comments are taken out of context. I'm not going to lie, I wasn't listening to EEI at, at the exact moment that it came out. So I don't know how the whole setup went, but there, the, how do you not understand the difference between the protocols? I mean, he's just, right. I think he's just goofy, but I mean, hell he can throw someone out from the triangle. So I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> That's all that matters at the end of the day. You're the talk of the town. You had a great game and then you put your foot in your mouth. It was just a ridiculous situation. Uh, and, and I thought that it was worth at least mentioning getting Andrew's thoughts on that. But are you interested in working in a professional studio environment? Whether you're a podcaster, new or old, or a musician just trying to get that professional sound, Ultrasound Production Studio is now available for podcasters, musicians, and everyone in between that are looking to get that great quality and production value that comes from working out of a professional studio. If you're interested in something like that, please visit the website at ultrasoundproductions.com or just email ultrasoundpro at yahoo.com or even call at 781 781- Nine five six two four two six for more information. Now it's time to win you some money with a couple minutes of gambling talk. All right, we are back and ready to give some more picks. We had the first week of the gambling competition last week. I have Matt and Andrew on right now with me to be able to do our picks on the show here together, which is going to be good. And uh, I just wanted to kind of start off talking about it, recapping it a little bit of how everything went, how everybody felt about their picks. I uh, I did end up having the, the best record, but I do want to preface by saying that I still think week one is such a crapshoot that even if I was at the bottom or at the top, I wouldn't have thought that, you know, anybody was any better than anyone else with their picks. I still think it's a crapshoot a little bit overall. But, uh, Andrew, how did you feel about the first week with the competition? I know that you unfortunately did a little bit better on the picks that were not on the competition. We got, you know, Monday and Thursday night picks, which you have to follow along on Twitter to find. But how'd you feel overall about the week, first week? Um, I, I thought it was a little bit fluky on some of them. I mean, I feel like every year, though, there's those games that everybody just looks at as a fluke. Right. It is tough. To, um, obviously, I put in 11 11 bets over week one, uh, went seven and four on those mm-hmm. on Twitter. Uh, naturally, the five that I pick for the competition, I go two and three. But, I mean, that's just uh, how it works, I guess. Hey, you got you got to the two and three, though, so that's good. Um, Matt, how did you feel about your picks overall? Like Once, once again, like I said, week one, crapshoot. I, I don't think that you can say anything bad or good about your picks overall, regardless of what your record was. But how did you feel overall on your picks? What I will say is that, you know, shame on me for not reading the reading the rules or reading the instructions prior to. Um, so, you know, my show prep was a little off. I came in and you can you can vouch for this. You can attest to this, Zach. I walked in and was like, I got one pick. I'm ready to go. Like, let, I thought we were I thought we were all given like a one lock pick. 
and that was gonna like so we were gonna have what 17 times five and uh 85 picks something yep. like that like yep. each that's gonna be the that's a huge that's like that's like an nba season that's more games than an nba season like, <laughs> it's gonna be about like winning percentages it's just so in my defense the one pick that i came in ready to go with pats under pats miami under that hit so if we were playing my rules, I would have won the game. Uh, okay, you know, all right, whatever. All right, I might have uh, I might have missed on the other four. No, I I agree with you. Uh, you de- you came in with the one pick uh, ready to go. It was a miscommunication thing. Uh, so I appreciate you still giving out the other four picks there. They happen to be not so great picks, but you know you did them kind of on the fly. I will say, uh, you know that it, it, week one though. It was a coin flip anyways, so any of those picks that you were throwing out there, I mean, I, I got destroyed on the Green Bay pick. Uh, I know that you and and both uh, you and Mendez both got destroyed on the tit- the Titans pick and stuff like that, but nobody saw that kind of stuff coming, at least in that blowout fashion. So I don't know. It, it, was, it was a tough one to go with there, but uh, I do want to get on to this week's picks uh, real quickly before we do get into each person's picks. Do you guys like the board this week? Andrew, how do you feel about the board overall? Just just the board. How do you feel about it? I mean, there's never a week where I hate the board, put it that way. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. Matt? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to guarantee myself a better record this, this week, so okay. I guess I'll say I like the board. All right. I like that. All right. Well, uh, since you guys both like the board so much, I'm going to have you guys go first. I'll go with Andrew first, making his picks here. Uh, so you just go ahead and explain your five picks, and uh, we'll, we'll get the ball rolling here. All right. So I'm going to go basically same theme as I did um, did last week. I'm going to dip back into the player props. Like uh, first one, I'll keep the analysis on these a little more brief than last week. Um First one's going to be Jamar Chase, over 53 and a half yards receiving. Um, just what I actually watched that game last week, and uh, he was just he was Joe Burrow's first read on a ton of his routes, and I just I love the matchup. Him lined up on the left side against Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson. I think he's totally going to be totally overmatched. I think it's going to be a big day for Jamar Chase there. Um, second pick, I like Noah Fant with the Broncos, over 40 over 40 and a half. Yards receiving. Okay. I think he's going to see a lot of expanded opportunities um, in the short and intermediate game with Jerry Judy, obviously being out. Uh, plus, seeing the game with Jacksonville last week, they pretty much proved to me that they are going to struggle defending tight ends. That's what it looked like to me. I forget the guy's name um, on Houston, Farrell Brown or something of that nature, an unknown guy. You for almost 70 yards, and they just they did not look good matching up against tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, pick number three, I'm going to go with Damian Harris over 71 and a half yards rushing. Uh, Jets obviously have a horrible defense. Jets are going to run the ball off, and they're committed to it, as we just saw this past weekend. And I think that number is a little bit low because I think there's a sentiment that Bill is going to shy away from Damian Harris due to that fumble, which, yeah, there's some merit to that line of thinking. He's done that in the past, but I just – I don't think he's going to scale it back. I think Damian Harris has just shown that he's too good, and it's it's one mistake. I think if it becomes something that happens more habitually, they'll get away from him. So, yeah, I think 71.5 is too low. Um, the other one, my fourth one, I'm going to go to Jalen Hurts, over 41.5 yards rushing. Um, if anyone tuned in last week, I had Jalen Hurts passing yards and rushing yards. That hit. That was a winner. Um, but he's – He's absolutely crushed that number every single time that he started. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was shocked to see it so low. He's had at least he had 62 last week in a game where they didn't even have to try in the second half. 
and he's never in his career as a starter come close to not not going over 42 yards. So I have Jalen Hurts over 41 and a half yards rushing. And for my final pick, I'm going to go back to my guy, Calvin Ridley, with over five and a half receptions. Um, I just, looking at Atlanta's performance last week versus what Tampa was able to do against the Cowboys rush attack last week, I don't see any way that Falcons and Mike Davis are going to have any type of success running the ball. Um, I think they're going to be down early. And I think they're going to be throwing a ton because of it. I think there's a massive amount of volume incoming for him and probably Kyle Pitts as well. But I think uh, Ridley's ultimately going to be the primary beneficiary of that game script. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. I think that the Ridley uh, props are going to they're going to be hitting. I know the first one didn't. I know that was a ridiculous circumstance where he went three for three right out the gate, and then it's just like where did he go? Uh, but uh, I think that you're going to be hitting good on those ones there. So I like it. You stick it with the prop bets. Keeping strong there. Uh, started off, you know, better on the Monday and Thursday, but I think you're going to get better on these ones too. So, Matt, we'll flip it over to you now. What do you think this week? What are your five picks? All right. Um, first one, and I'll, I'll say my what I think is a lock for, for number five. Keep you listening. Uh, first one, Bills minus three and a half at Miami. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, I think this is a bounce back game. I think the, you know, the, the offense is going to get right, and I think three and a half. And I hate that half point by Donnick again. Um, but that's, you know, the three and a half is where the line set now. I'm pr- guessing it's going to move to even more towards like minus four um, during, you know, by the time you get to Sunday. Um, next one, I'm going to go Bengals Bears over 45. I think the Cincinnati offense looked less inept than people thought. I think um, the quarterback Joe Burrow came back from, you know, the ACL pretty strong. Uh, it was ACL or MCL. Irre- I mean, either or. Doesn't uh, I think he looked all right in the pocket. Um yeah, I think the the Bears show that they can put up some points. So I think there's gonna be gonna go over there. Third pick, Broncos minus six in Jacksonville. Uh, the Broncos just went into New York, and, you know, beat the Giants. I don't really believe in that Giants team a lot, but I really don't believe in that Jacksonville team uh, at this point, just because they they seem like they don't have it all together. They made Tex- you know the Houston Texans look like world beaters. So I think the Broncos can go on the road, do it again, minus six. Uh, next pick, um, Saints minus three and a half in Carolina. Again, I, I'd buy it down, you know, to three if you if you can. But I think that and I'm, I'm drinking the Saints Kool Aid now. Uh, Jameis Winston starting fantasy quarterback. I think, uh, and and I think you know Carolina's offense didn't look too too high powered. Um, you know, I mean, we just watched the Saints hold the Packers to three points. Uh, so I think that's a you know I, I sort of like that pick, but again, get it down to three if possible. And my fifth pick, I'm going to let this be a running theme for, for me for the at least foreseeable future. Uh, I'm going to go with the Pats, Jets under. It's under 43 right now. You know, a couple of rookie quarterbacks. Jets didn't put up too much offense last week. We know the Pats, I don't know, they looked good, but the, the total in that game ended up being about 33. It was, you know, so it was, I mean, they, they were well underneath the under. And I, I'm going to go with them as, as my lock of the week. Love it. Love it. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's a good place to be at with the unders and the Patriots, especially in the beginning. We talked about it earlier, but it seems as though they're not opening the playbook for Mac Jones, especially in certain red zones, red zone situations. They're going to try and run the ball a lot. They're going to keep it low. They're going to try and play defense. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I like that a lot there. Um, but yeah, no, that, those are some great picks. So we'll, we'll get to mine now, uh, which I'm kind of, you know, 
not loving the board. I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I know that you guys both love the board. I didn't love it this week. Um, I am going to start off taking. A, I was. You know. I, I'm sorry to do this to you, Matt, but I'm with you as well on the Bills. I think that Bills minus three and a half on that one. There, it's an obvious bounce back game. Uh, they're going to be taking out all their frustrations, even if. Uh, you know, they're already up. I think they're going to be just trying to dominate this this Miami team, which are no slouches. I get that, but um, I think that they'll be able to take it to them. I think Miami kind of, you know, played really well against the Patriots. They're looking to have a little bit more of a down game. Bills are going to be better there. Next game I'm going to go with, um, I actually think that the Raiders are going to cover plus six and a half against the Steelers. That's going to be, uh, you know, that's kind of a little bit more of a shot there uh, I'm taking. I do think that the Raiders, even though their flaws that they always have, uh, did look pretty good against that Ravens team. I think that the Steelers, obviously their defense is great. I think that Ben, ben Roethlisberger is like just teetering on the edge of having a really bad performance. I think that it could happen here against the Raiders. So I'm going to take the Raiders plus six and a half at the Steelers. Next game I'm going with is the Falcons. Buccaneers over 52 points in that one. Brady's still on the revenge tour. He's just trying to throw uh, touchdowns at all times of the game. He's hucking up Hail Marys at the end of half to try and get extra touchdowns. They're just trying to throw all the time. I think that the Falcons can at least provide a little bit of scoring this time. They're not going to just do six points or whatever it was they did against the Eagles there. I'm thinking that they'll be able to uh, bounce back and provide some points. The Buccaneers will take the rest of it. Next one I am going with is going to be the Cowboys, which I thought I I feel like this is am I getting the wrong line here? Are they plus three and a half right now? Cowboys plus three and a half at the Chargers? I know that you get the home points of three points every time because you're the home team. I get that. But then what they're saying is they're still a .5 favorite over the Cowboys. I think that the Cowboys are going to be able to take it to this Chargers team. I know that, you know, the the Chargers team as a whole is really good. I'm still not fully convinced on Herbert. I think he'll be a good quarterback, but I think he has his ups and downs. I think this Cowboys team is legit, especially early in the year. Dak Prescott hitting on all cylinders. So I'm taking Cowboys plus three and a half in a game where I feel like it should be closer to even in that. I don't know why, but I I just feel as though um, that should be it. And then the last one that I'm going to go with is Titans plus six and a half at the Steelers there. I'm going with some up or some, you know, underdogs in these games here. I think Titans is another one that they're going to kind of figure things out. They're going to be playing a lot better there. Um, the Seattle was looking really good, but, you know, Russell Wilson can be gotten to. He will throw some picks at times. So I feel as though the Titans are going to be able to at least cover, if not possibly have a chance to win this game here. So those are my five picks there. Uh, I think we all feel pretty good about these ones going into week two, at least better than we did going into week one, right? I think we can all safely say that. That seems reasonable, right? Uh, but, you know, I, I think that... Feeling all right. Yeah, feeling okay. Uh, I think that we've got... Yeah, too much worse. Some... <laughs> Uh, well, now when you're hearing this episode, you will have already known what the picks were for the Thursday night game, the props that we were going to do there. So we'll see if Andrew and I did some good prop picks. We're going to get Matt involved in the prop picks eventually as well. We also have been doing uh, Monday night prop picks as well for those games. So if you want to follow along those picks, those are strictly on Twitter. You have to follow along at the Claptrap, at uh, uh, Patriots underscore Andrew or at Zach Clapp on Twitter on there that you'll be able to find all the picks, all the information. So that is going to uh, do it for our picks here. Let's get into the voicemails. Clap eight, got the week two picks. Don't love the board. Uh, first one, Browns minus 12 and a half versus the Texans. I don't see Houston winning another game the rest of the year. I think Browns are legit. They had the Chiefs where they wanted them. They let that game get away. 
Um, Rams minus three and a half for the Colts. I just think the Rams are going to sell out hot, not sold on Wentz at all. Um, that Rams defense should hold the Colts to under 20 points. Chiefs minus three and a half versus the Ravens. I love this game. I think if you're up heading into that Monday night game, just hammer the Chiefs. I don't see the Ravens sticking with them at all. Ravens all line all banged up. Lamar doesn't look comfortable. Um, other games, Cowboys versus Chargers. I like the over 55 and a half. High over, but you get, just got to bet those overs. You can't be on the wrong side of that. I just see that being a maybe closer to a 70-point game. And then last one, Titans plus six and a half versus the Seahawks. Uh, Titans didn't look good, but you got to figure they bounce back. Always upset every week. Uh, I wouldn't even mind sprinkling the money line on that. Let's see how we do with these ones. All right, bud. All right, you just heard Mendez's picks right there. We both like Titans plus six and a half, which makes me worry about it. So if you're out there and thinking anytime that these guys are going to both agree on something, uh, any of us really, it's probably going to be wrong. I think that you're probably right. So, um, you know, be aware of that. But let's go ahead and get into Cam's picks now. Hey, y'all, it's Cam back for another round of trash picks this week. I uh, got four in college and one NFL. Uh, we'll start with Cincinnati minus three and a half at Indiana. Uh, I think Indiana has some issues on the offensive line, and Cincinnati has probably one of the five best defenses in the country. And also their uh, Cincinnati's quarterback is, I think, going to be a first or maybe second-round pick in the NFL, so they should be able to score enough points to cover the spread if their defense keeps Indiana down. This is the over in Alabama, Florida. I got 57 and a half. Still like it at 60. Um, Alabama pretty much wakes up and scores 40 in their sleep. And Florida's defense has been a little iffy so far. Uh, And I think uh, Alabama has some injuries on defense. So... I think Florida should have no problem getting to at least 20 points. Uh, Next is the Nevada money line uh, against Kansas State. I also like it at the spread, minus one and a half. Uh, Kansas State's starting quarterback just got hurt last week, and he's out for the season. And their backup looked terrible against uh, Southern Illinois, who's the FCS team. And Nevada has a quarterback who's probably going to be a first-round pick and a receiver who also might be a first-round pick. So I think their offense is good enough uh, to put up a good amount of points against Kansas State, and I don't think Kansas State will be able to match this. Uh, next, we got the under-55 in Air Force and Utah State. Uh, Air Force runs a triple option like other service academies, and so when they have the ball, it takes forever. They never throw it. Uh, so usually those totals go under, and this is pretty high for a, a pretty high total at 55 uh, involving a service academy team. So I'll take the under there. And then for the one NFL pick, I got under 50 in uh, San Fran and Philly. I think both offenses, this number is a little inflated because both offenses look great last week, but they were playing against terrible defenses. And also San Francisco has to come across the country for a 1 p.m. kickoff. Uh, so I like that uh, down to probably 47 and a half. So to recap, I have Cincinnati minus three and a half, 
Got the Alabama, Florida over 57 and a half. Got the Nevada money line, or I also like the spread at minus one and a half. Uh, we got under 55 in Air Force in Utah State. And then for the NFL pick, we have under 50 in San All right, sounds like we got cut off there from Cam's voicemail at the very end, but he was just doing his recap there, which that last pick was San Francisco Philly under 50 points in that one. I think that Cam is crushing it on his explanations, maybe not crushing it so far on the record after week one, but his explanations as to why he's doing the picks are a heck of a lot better than they were last year. I'm not even lying on that one. So uh, great picks out of Cam, great picks out of Dan Mendez, we had uh, myself, Andrew, and Matt also make picks, and this week we're going to see how things go. I am going to be posting the standings every week on uh, Twitter, at The Clap Trap. I also post it on my personal site, at Zach Clap. Um, so if you want to follow along with us, we are going to be posting picks uh, for not only the Sunday games, but we also do prop bets, player prop bets on every Thursday night and Monday night game. So if you're interested in those picks as well, uh, especially Andrews, who's now uh, you know been crushing it on his uh, last two picks there, Thursday night and Monday night, I believe he's a combined 5-0 and on his last uh, five picks on the prop picks. So tune in for that on the uh, the Twitter uh, at the claptrap there, which we will post. And then the guys all kind of, you know, are talking about their picks and engaging with each other on there. So please follow along and feel free to jump in on the conversation as well about the picks there. But uh, we are going to continue trying to win you guys some money and at least have fun doing this competition going forward. So I will be posting all about that as much as I can on the social media sites. Okay, that's going to do it for the episode all together. I think it was a great conversation. First time trying the three-person conversation all at once. I know I've broken it up before having multiple people on the episodes, but the uh, the whole three-person conversation, uh, you know, using the Zoom and everything like that, I think it went really well. Uh, so I, I hope that you guys enjoyed it, um, and I hope that you can go and download this episode on either you know Spotify or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Listen along, and I hope that you can give us a like, a listen, uh, a comment. Tell us what you do like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us that my takes are stupid. Whatever you want to say uh, on on internet on any of the social media sites as well at the claptrap on Twitter and I'm going to be getting back onto Instagram posting more things on there as well so if you want to follow along with that in the show anything that I have going on I'm going to try and post about so I would appreciate that but uh, we are going to be coming back again next week I'll try and get some more of the guys on to talk and have a great conversation about everything going on hopefully we'll be talking about a Patriots win and we'll be talking about the Red Sox kind of you know getting their crap together and uh, getting one of those wild cards spots but if not we'll be here to complain just as hard and uh, i'm sure that you guys will love listening to that so thank you for tuning in and we will be back again next week i hope you guys have a great weekend see you later